Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters, and we're here to help. Oh, here I go, here I go, here I go again. Ladies, what's my weakness? Men. <laughs> and daring greatly. <laughs> Episode 32. And Oreos. <laughs> and, Cheese um, balls. Yeah, among other things. Starbucks. Chick-fil-A. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, okay, so we have a lot of weaknesses, so we will talk about how... And we also have a lot of strengths. That's right. That like is right. our friendship. That's right. <laughs> okay, episode 32, Daring Greatly, we're discussing chapter four, Brene Brown, you go girl, and start us off, Farron. Yes, this is getting into the vulnerability armory. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back to some people say, I'm not vulnerable, and then it's like, uh Here's your how you're hiding it or masking it or shielding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at not only how you might be deflecting vulnerability or burying it, but then, again, she gives you the tools on how to work through that, which I appreciate. Yes. I'm working with my personal children on telling me a problem and asking for something or providing a solution. So my yes. least favorite is when they come up and they're like, you know, the box won't open. (laughs) That's true. That is a true statement. It it is not. The box is not. Mm -hmm. You're having trouble. And they're like, but the box won't open. That's correct. I'm like, yep, I do this. And then I finally have to say, are you going to ask me something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Will you open the box, please? Yeah. they they be happy to. That's good. You know what? better about it, though. Bosses also operate the same way. 100%. I have too many kids in my classroom. Number one, don't ever say that. <laughs> Let's just rewind. I know a way to make it, make it work. Make it work. Uh, unenroll kids? Hide like kid? that's, that's not a thing I can do. Find a closet? Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, I can't do that either. <laughs> it's frowned upon. They uh, made that a law about oh, right. 10 years back. Oh. So, again, all important about presenting solutions, not problems with... So I like that. Good parenting hack there, Farron. Yes. So we try to find resources, again, that not only convince you that there may or may not be a problem, but also with suggestions on how to work through that or solve that problem. I'm going to interject again. I like how you also gave them a sentence stem, like, are you going... Or a prompt, like, are you going to ask me something? Mm -hmm. Or even if they just stare at you blankly, you can say... Can you please? And they'll start to. Oh, can you? Can you please? And then fill in the sentence. So the sentence stem saves their life. Sentence stems are good for everybody because then it turns everybody into open it. Mm, excuse me. <laughs> Put you in the box. <laughs> yes. No. So <laughs> the sentence stem is just a life-saving reminder on yes. how they should <laughs> formulate Sentence that. Sentence they save yeah. lives. <laughs> and increase scores on testing. Yes. yes. There you go. <laughs> Set your kids up for success at oh, an early Lord. age. Oh, <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's for serious. It's a um, great segue into the vulnerability right. memory. Vulnerability. <laughs> so um, we've mentioned this before, but here's where it comes up about you know, vulnerability is the last thing that I want you to see, but I w- appreciate seeing it in you. Right. Let me mm. know who you really yes, are. Yes, yeah. Get up on that stage and tell me all all how, Yeah. tell me your testimony. And then I'll tell you who I want you to think I am. Yes. <laughs> Seems fair. Seems fair. 
Oh man, the first one. For real. The That's what I was just looking enough, at. The enough uh-huh. date. Oh man. I don't even know where to start on this one. Okay, so if you're following along, page 116, believing that we are enough is the way out of the armor. It gives us permission to take off the mask. We talked a little bit about this last episode, where your worth is, so mm-hmm. whose you are, if you're a believer, so finding your worth in that, so you are enough there. Yeah, so, so. ultimately, we're going to talk about, and she's going to use the um, imagery of wearing a shield armor, mm-hmm. and so this armor hides the fact that we feel that we're not enough, mm-hmm. and then by... Having this belief that we are enough gives us permission to take the shield and mask off. And so um, it goes into three uh, little breakdowns under there. Mm -hmm. It talks about worthiness versus shame. So those are opposite of each other. So if you feel worthy, then you probably can't feel too shameful. Um, Having boundaries versus trying to one-up or compare yourself to people and then engagement versus disengagement. And so those are going to be overarching themes mm-hmm. through the rest of this chapter. I, I love it because those are all, again, like we talked about last episode, everybody falls on this scale somewhere with the not enough complex. So you can probably think of something in the first 10 seconds. You're not blank enough. You can fill it in. So therefore, you are somehow on the scale. Yep. So this applies to you. Yes, you. Yes, in I the do. shirt with the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to you. Yes. With the heart. Uh-huh. Yep. That person. That's you. And you know what? Let's just say, for funsies, you don't think this applies to you. But that you do believe this applies to other people in your life or profession. Um, then you can still find benefit. And if you stumble upon something that might apply to you, we encourage you to take advantage of that awakening there you go (laughs) and find a way to grow yes okay so she gets into the common vulnerability shields and there's three main ones and then we'll wrap up the chapter with a few additional additional shields that may or may not apply to you all right so they are i'm just gonna list them off real quick go for it so Everyone fills these, not every, I can't say everyone, 99% All of the of people. You. Everyone listen. Me and you, and if you have a pulse. Um, foreboding joy, and we'll just, we'll talk about what that means. You know, for a second, I had to think about foreboding, which mm-hmm. means like not letting yourself experience joy. Yeah. Okay, go on. Oh, thank you. Okay. So foreboding joy, perfectionism, numbing. So again, to some degree, all of us have done these three things to some extent, yeah. There you go. Given a certain situation, yeah. given your environment, given your age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so again, foreboding joy. So this shield means that you don't want to be blindsided by her. You don't want to be caught off guard. Um, the phrase that I think a lot of people use with this one is uh, preparing for the worst, hoping yes. for the best. I've said that. Or the Enneagram sixes. Oh, man. <laughs> They're my friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, I really liked the story she gave. Well, it's not a story. I mean, the guy was, he, he was being really interviewed yes. um, about how he had always prepared for the worst about losing his wife and all this stuff. And so he wouldn't fully enjoy the moment. And then she was gone and he said that he could have never prepared for this as much as he prepared and 
knew how other people felt and walked through that with other friends, he, he regrets feeling that way his whole life and then still being unprepared and not, and missing out on all those moments. So that's just one of the several examples she gives, but just reading that, man, you're choosing not to live life to the fullest because you're afraid it's going to be all taken away. Yeah. I mean, it could, sure, but it might not. So. So again, you're hiding that shame or feeling like you're not going to experience that because you're too busy worried about it. I definitely related to the, like, when you're watching your baby sleep and you're like, yes. oh my gosh, something bad's going to happen. Oh my gosh. I remember my first pregnancy, like, just worrying about the pregnancy and I was like, man, what she's here, it's just going to be easy. <laughs> no, you're going to stare at your baby. I was so cute in my thinking, so cute. <laughs> But yeah, dang, making sure they breathe. There, yes, <laughs> once she was born, it was way more scary. Not because like I don't know how to change a diaper. It was like this thing that I love could like die, and like now it can really break my heart. It would have broken my heart before, but yeah. Oh my gosh. yeah. And then you stay up past seventy two hours, and then psychosis sets in, and then you don't know what year you're in, and uh-uh. then you need to tap out before you out. fall asleep standing Come on, up. Husband. Come mm-hmm. on, mom. Mm-hmm. Help me out. Watch her breathe so, so I can sleep. Exactly. So if you... They're that's you know technology. Yes. Days. Now they have the thing you can put on the foot. Yeah. Man. Not to age ourselves, but... But still, like, I'm glad so- someone out there was staring at their baby long enough, or someone's husband was like, my wife's been staring at this baby <laughs> long enough that we got to come up with a solution. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, you're going to miss out on a lot of joy that life has to offer. So how do you work through this? Mm. So she has the shield, and then she talks about, again, the namesake of the book, Daring Greatly. Yes. Back to it takes some bravery. For sure. To work through this, talking about practicing gratitude and how we acknowledge that there is enough and that we are enough. And there's, we've talked about gratitude journaling. We've talked about speaking it out loud. As it as it's happening, you can pray and be thankful for the green light. I mean, just anything like that, that's going to automatically help combat foreboding joy. Yeah, and I definitely encourage you guys to find some type of habit or routine where you are doing it regularly, because I could definitely see people being like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for lots of things. But how often, like, Name it. as much as you're thinking about the what-ifs in a mm-hmm. disaster way, how often... Are you thinking about the gratitude? Yeah. So you need to keep those at bigger proportions with gratitude. Yeah, a lot sure. of uh, the six to one ratio is a lot what they talk about in education. You need to do six affirmations or positive things to the one critique or whatever. So carry that into your coaching or carry that into your parenting or to yourself your with gratitude. Ma- <laughs> Anything. Name it. Name yeah. it. Six to one ratio. And it's best if you don't say, I like your eyes. Uh, you wear nice jeans, thank you for taking out the trash, and vacuuming, and going to work every day, but you forgot to unload the dishwasher. It doesn't yes. count if you unload yes. them all at one time. Delivery matters. It does. Um, oh. So yes. Then uh, ways, because man, this feeling enough and being enough is hard to combat. So she just wants to remind us that joy comes to us in ordinary moments. So like you said, being grateful for the green light. Mm-hmm. Man, if I hit all the green lights, I get to work on time. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. 
But if the first light's red, they're all going to be red, and then I'm just in trouble. (laughs) Um, Being grateful for what you have. So instead of looking at all the things you don't have, looking at what you do have. Yeah. And don't squander joy. Um, When you lean into joy, it cultivates hope. And the great thing is, is all three of those are really simple steps, and you can start those right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right now. You can start right now. Yeah. I like that they're small chunks, small yeah. bites, but that they'll add up and make a big difference. Practical over the and applicable for yes. everybody at any point in life. Any point. Any point. I like how she mentioned her daughter does the picture memories. Mm-hmm. She gives the story about what her daughter does, and she asks her what she's doing. She's making a picture memory of whatever that moment is. So I even like how... At that young age, her daughter knew to stop, pause, reflect, and remember. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important for us to do, too. So in the moments that your kids are being goofy or have on 18 pairs of sunglasses and it just looks bizarre, but it's funny and they're laughing and you're laughing, Mm -hmm. remember that moment. That's what I love technology. Pull out your phone and film it. Yeah. I like that. You could even print out pictures of moments. Yeah. You know, uh... Scrapbook queen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not going completely there. But I found it interesting that they said, I don't know what year it was, that we took more pictures in like a month than had been taken before that ever. Yeah, But then something else, and I don't have the numbers on it, but people don't print out pictures anymore. Yeah. A lot of, so again, I like the Facebook memories because it's like the online scrapbook stuff pops up and you're like, oh, cool. Well, one of my really good friends only has two, she's old, she's older than me, maybe by like 10 years, 15. I'm not going to age her, but she's like, I only have two printed pictures of me from when I was a kid. Two. Wow. Two. And it's like, if the internet crashed and everything went down, I mean, I'm thinking what printed pictures I have at home. Right. Everything's online or on the phone. Or... All right, everybody, your homework is go print off <gasps> the whole camera roll. <laughs> Walgreens, yes. That's right. Use a coupon. They give them out if you're an email subscriber to them. Yeah. Just well, the it. other thing I wanted to say about that, too, is we've talked before about when you're going through a hard time, it's a good reminder that when you've been through other trials and tribulations to remind yourself that you've gotten through hard stuff before. Yes. It might not be as hard, but you've overcome lots of things in life. Mm-hmm. So I like the picture memories because if you're feeling like, oh, I don't have enough or I'm not enough, and you can reflect back on right. times where you weren't feeling that way, um, you can use the truth to combat the lies. Right. So that is foreboding joy, the first shield of vulnerability. Okay. Experience it, people. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one is perfectionism. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Says Hi. the nine-wing one to I the one. Is. My name is Aaron, and I have a problem. <laughs> that's the first step. But see, that's the thing. For the longest time, I didn't think being perfect was a pro- trying to be perfect was a problem. Oh yeah. Like I'm doing my absolute best. I agree. What do you want from me? (laughs) I agree. All you can do is all you can do. Yes. But it turns out that perfection does not lead us to our gifts and a sense of purpose. In fact, it's a hazardous detour. Yes, it is. Now that we know this. Yeah. I'm working on it. I get Uh, it now. So, (laughs) in the book, she actually has a list of what perfectionism is not. 
And then she also has a list of what perfectionism is. So that is also helpful for people like us, and that kind of gives us an idea. Right. So she talks about, for example, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. Mm. Um, So perfectionism is, I will be the best, most perfect. And again, the shield is the idea that if I'm perfect, then, you know, I won't run into... Um, any painful feelings or events. So Mm -hmm. if you kill yourself doing something, then you're avoiding a lot of failures or mishaps along the way. So again, uh, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. If you want to do really well, then a healthy thought process would be this understanding that naturally failures are going to come up along the way. Yes. Whereas perfectionism is, I can prevent from ever maybe failing or messing up or Mm -hmm. to minimize the pain of blame or judgment or shame. I have two things to say about that one. So the reading program that we do at our school, we, whenever they read out loud for us, they have to judge their excellence. That's what it's called. And in our manual, it definitely says we cannot say the word perfect. We have to follow a very specific script and it says excellent. And so I like how teaching the kids the difference between perfect and excellent, Mm -hmm. it's a huge difference, but the excellence is great. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's the best it can be. So I love that. And also that the way you were talking about the perfectionism, about how if you hold to certain standards, then you won't have any issues. That goes back to the lawnmower parents (sighs) that mow down every bump in the road for their kid. So that way the kid walks through bump-free, but then what happens when you're not there? So uh-huh. keep that in mind. Yep. Um, so uh, perfectionism is not the key to success. In fact, creating this perfectionism environment, like you were saying, is actually correlated with depression, anxiety, addiction, and life paralysis or missed opportunities. That's pretty intense. I don't want any of those. <laughs> yeah. It's like the commercials where you have a big problem. Yes. And all the side effects are much worse problems, including death. Yes. Um, so I'll yes. take my one problem and go home. Thanks. And uh, so, yeah, perfectionism. I used to somehow justify it, which was probably a little sign that I knew it was probably not the best thing. If you have to justify it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like. I, I get it. For, I get it. Kind of like if you have to tell people you're awesome, you're not. Or if you tell people you're good at something, if you have to tell people you're good at it, are you? Yeah. Walk the walk. Yeah. Cut the talk. Mm-hmm. Just in case those points doesn't didn't drill it home for you. Uh, then she follows up with what perfectionism is. And she describes it as such self-destructive, <laughs> an addictive belief system. Leads to more shame and self-blame. Cyclical. If that doesn't make you want to be a perfectionist, (laughs) I don't know what does. Mmm, bring it on. Yes, so again, it's this addictive belief system because you convince yourself that if you would just do everything perfectly, you can avoid mistakes. I definitely know that there's been times that I've gone above and beyond to try to make everything absolutely perfect, and it has saved me. And oh my gosh, that just fuels my fire to Uh continue to kill myself to be on top of everything. Right, but Um, like you said, that's at a cost too. Well, and perfection simply does not exist. Yeah, only with good old JC. 
And that's not uh, Jim Caviezel. That's uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey. Or Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, I can't think of any other JC names. JC Chazé. Yeah. Shout out. Insane. Shout out. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the point is, people, that ultimately nobody's perfect. Right. You might have a pretty good track record in one area of your life. But ultimately, what are the other? What What does every other area look like, though? If you're trying to be perfect in one area, what is what is the what does your home look like? What does your Spiritual mental health, health yeah, any of those things look like? Yep, very good point, Brooke. It's I can't think of a way to be perfect in all areas. You can't. You can't be one hundred percent in all the places because that's not how percentages work. And if you're trying to do that, I can tell you your mental emotional state probably not perfect. And we're speaking because we've been there. Like, we, we are the recovering perfectionists, so. Yes. I like that she put yeah. that in there. Not that that's a new thought, but. Yeah, just that sometimes when you hear it in a different way at a different time in life, it hits you differently. Mm-hmm. So. So how have we worked on that? And what does she also suggest? Well, I'll let you know what she suggests. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've been working on these. <laughs> we have. We okay, have. so. To combat perfectionism, she gives us three other elements. So she talks about self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Right. So appreciating our flaws and imperfections. And Dr. Neff has written about the three elements of self-compassion. Uh, we'll include the website. She has mm-hmm. a website in there so you can give yourself a self-assessment. Yeah. So, as we said earlier, there's been... Times where our self-talk, we didn't realize yes. that's not what it should be doing or saying. So, um, if you aren't sure if your self-talk is, you know, where it needs to be, self-compassion, you can go to www.selfcompassion-compassion.org. And, again, she talks about what Brooke had mentioned, self-kindness, which means being understanding towards ourselves, as I shared before. Yeah, give yourself grace. Man, I am much better at forgiving others than myself. For sure. Uh, common humanity, so realizing that we all struggle, no one can be perfect, even mm-hmm. if they look that way on the outside. I love the thing that says, just because they're carrying it doesn't mean it's not heavy. Right. Um, so, if someone's giving off that perception, maybe they're in the same boat as you. Maybe yeah. you have no idea what their life looks like. Right. Uh, and the last one, mindfulness, which goes back to something we mentioned in the last episode, a balanced approach to your emotions. So, reality versus perception. Not suppressing your emotions, but not exaggerating them. Right. We all have those moments we need to just vent and call your friend and say, I don't want solutions, I just want to be mad. And then you can have that mindfulness and a little reality check later. Yeah, and don't send the email that you're not <sighs> supposed to send. Lord! Okay. So we have foreboding joy, perfectionism, and then numbing. That's the other common thing we do. Yep, the way that we hide our shame. And that can look different. A lot of times, sometimes when we um, say they were numbing it, we think drugs and alcohol. But that can look like scrolling through Pinterest for hours. That can look like having a glass of wine or two or ten every night and watching Netflix. I mean, that can look so many different ways depending on you. Yeah, the one, one, another one she mentioned was the crazy busy approach. 
And the whole idea that if you stay busy enough, the truth of your lives will not catch up with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that hits some people in the gut. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, well, I can't deal with it because uh, my kid plays on three soccer teams and I cook dinner from scratch every night. Right. Something's got to give. I am not that person. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't. I would not. Me, personally, I would never want to get to that point crazy busy. That sounds awful. And that, I mean, again, it takes a lot of checking yourself because there was a point where that's what I did. I did stay crazy busy, so I didn't have to think about the things I didn't want to think about because I was always trying to do the next thing or check the next thing off the list. So my numbing for me looks like staying super busy. And, I mean, I don't think anyone wants to be a meth addict or, you know, drugs or whatever. So, none of these things are really what we want to do. But right. they're not as bad as facing whatever's causing so much right. shame. So, I like how Brene talks about numbing. Listen. <laughs> okay. If you don't know what we're laughing about, it's because I edited it out. <laughs> so, that's what happened there. So check out the YouTube video to see what really happened. Behind the scenes. Okay, maybe this YouTube thing is a bad idea. We'll see. So bad. Done, done, done. Oh, I like that. Okay. All right, so Brene Brown talks about with numbing, you can't just numb the dark stuff. If you numb, you're numbing everything. Mm -hmm. Which that hit home differently with me, too. I was missing out. I may or may not have thought of you and feeling your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, there's no judgment in any of these shields. We just want to share which ones we can relate to the most. Uh, perfectionism, for sure. For me, numbing, maybe scrolling through Facebook, mm-hmm. watching TV. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, she talks about how People justify it by taking the edge off. Um, I can convince myself that people say I need to relax. This is, look, I'm relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, disengagement could be another bad side effect of some of right. these things. That's true. All right, so how do you combat the numbing? And there's, a, there's a lot here, but she talks about right. setting boundaries and finding true comfort and cultivating the spirit because something like an addiction... You're never going to have one more, you know, hit or one more drink and then never need another drink again. Right. It's not providing that true comfort. Um, so let's get into it. Setting boundaries. I like this one. And there's a book called Boundaries. Uh, that might be something that you might need to read. I know a lot of groups do the boundaries book, so whether it's reengage or whatever, regeneration, whatever it's called, I don't know, or journey groups, a lot of them do read the boundaries book, which is great. Um, And that also changes the thinking, behaviors, and emotions that create anxiety rather than uh, finding ways to numb it. They might literally be like, don't call me after nine o'clock. Yes. Or it could be thinking boundaries. So if you know, once you start thinking about this, you end up down this wormhole in a place, mental place you don't want to be, you just... Try to get your mind off that, redirect your thinking. Recognize your um, trigger. Yes, behaviors too. Maybe that behavior is going to a bar, and you're like, man, every time I go to a bar, something terrible happens. Yeah, maybe don't go there. Yeah. Um, or maybe behaviors could be being around certain people. 
Um, maybe if you've noted, like, man, every time I'm stressed out, I do this thing. I yell and scream at my kids, and I don't mm-hmm. want to yell and scream at my kids anymore. So I'm going to, when I get frustrated, because that's not going to go away, I'm going to have this plan in motion, whatever that works for you in your situation. I like how she also talks about, again, she's mentioned this multiple times, aligning it with your beliefs or with your moral compass. So if you are struggling with whatever, it could be addicted to Facebook, you can delete the app or you you can say you're only going to look at it this time to this time. So whatever works for you, but also think about what's, what is causing that? So if you're on Facebook to and you're being envious of someone else's highlight reel, and that might be a thing that you don't want to do. You don't want to be an envious person or a jealous person, or you don't want to covet, whatever it is. So I'm going to shut that off so I don't have that vice there. Yep. Um, so, again, the way you're going to combat that is by making the... Con- connection between worthiness and boundaries you have to believe that you are enough in order to say enough yeah which enough sounds really funny when you have a stuffed nose but yes bear with enough. me people yeah so it was me last time not you this time we're just swapping germs over here um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i like to rephrase this as like believing you are enough in order to say no. Yes. To people. Um, yeah. Or I'm done. Mm-hmm. Gotta go. Yeah. Out out of here. So that's a different way to think of that. Yeah. But you are enough. You are worthy. Um, some of the, She gives, again, so many more examples in the book, but talking about um, the lie that like, but if I leave this job, maybe I won't find another one. Or if I leave this person, who else is ever going to love me? And on and on and on. But you have to believe that you are enough to get out of whatever situation that you're in. Yeah. And then she also talks about connection and belonging. Right. And so again, as always, talking about uh, what her terms mean, or any author in any book you're reading, connection is giving and receiving without judgment. So you might be like, yeah, they're my friend, but is there this giving and receiving in your communication and... Being vulnerable without judgment versus belonging, which means being part of something larger than us. Mm -hmm. And so the reason she brings up connection and belonging is because all humans crave connection and belonging. Yep, we are built and designed to have relationships. Hardwired for that. And, I mean, again, it might look different. Connection might literally be with one other person Mm -hmm. or a dog. Sure. Or nine cats. You do you. Crazy cat ladies never have one. They have more. Right. Um, Love you, ladies. Belonging, again, being part of something larger. I mean, that could be a real-life thing. It could be playing on an indoor soccer team. Mm -hmm. Shout out, force. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, just being part of something. Yep. And then she has a little section where it talks about the care and feeding of our spirits. Um, So then there's a line between pleasure and discomfort. And then she quotes a guy. It's not what you do. It's why you do it that makes the difference. Yes. So, again, uh, it's a fine line between, like, well, what is having a few drinks and making me an alcoholic? What's the difference between me having chocolate and then, like, overeating? And mm-hmm. so the the point there is that, well, why are you doing it? Are you having a bite of chocolate because you 
made a happy plate at dinner. <laughs> or are you, you emotionally eating? Yeah. Or did you eat the whole bag of chocolates trying to soothe your soul? Because you're um, numbing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not what you do. It's why you do it. Uh, you could go out and, I don't know, you could wash 10 loads of laundry. Mm-hmm. My goodness. But if you're doing that because you're pissed at your husband, mm-hmm. it's great that you did the laundry. <laughs> did you fold it and put it away too? Now you have 10 loads of laundry because you were mad. <laughs> On your couch. And now what? Now you have nowhere to sit. You brought that upon yourself. <laughs> no, but just looking at what you're doing, it could be perceived as a healthy thing. Um, you run, yeah. but you are running so much. You're hurting you're, yourself. You're hurting your mm-hmm. body. Um, so, and you're justifying it by. I'm I mean, I'm yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's good for everything within reason, yeah. portion control with everything. So, just again, another great way to self analyze and see why are you doing what it is that you do. Right. So, okay. So this is chapter four. It's the vulnerability armory. She talks about the three things that are most common. So the foreboding joy, mm-hmm. perfectionism, numbing, and then we're playing that game. And then <laughs> we're doing a lot of hand signals over here on this side of the mic. Again, uh, feel free to YouTube that. But then we talk about the less frequented shelves in the armory. So not necessarily... The, the big three. There's a bunch of subcategories, too, that didn't quite fit in those three. Yes. And the first one she refers to as Viking or victim. So these are like at the... You see that there's only two groups of people in the world, and they're at polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And so you have the victim, which is the, the loser, can't hold your own, taken advantage of, weak, weak, weak. And then Viking, which is the in-control dominating personality what's interesting is that so many people operate underneath this so i mean it's it's a dog eat dog world or it's cutthroat or it's either do or die or it's yes it's either kill or be killed but that's not how the world works and that's really hard if you were raised on that or if it's generational thinking like that Mm -hmm. or let's say your family did struggle and you came over here because it was kill or be killed, so you had to come over here for safety. So that has been kind of ingrained in your personality. So, I, that again, that's hard, too. Yeah, she touches on it here, and we'll get into it a little bit more in a minute. But that, like, if you've been through a traumatic experience, traumatic experience, that, um, that definitely plays, a, it factors in here. because. For sure. If you've been through something crazy, of course, that's going to change how you, um, you know, accept others or react to others. Right. What I thought was interesting, too, is that she said people really struggled with the Viking definition. Um, And so a lot of them would choose victim because here, while they might agree with the theory defining themselves as a Viking, they weren't very comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, they didn't want to be that. They didn't want to be that, but they understood the concept. Right, so. for sure. Okay, so the way to combat that, you need to redefine success, reintegrate vulnerability, and seek support. Yeah, so remember that living without connection, um, without knowing love and belonging, is not a victory. So, right. again, if you're in control and dominating, that might be pushing people away, 
Um, I don't know who really wants to be around somebody who's, mm-hmm. you know, that, in that personality. Not me, but I'm sure there's other people. But if your defense is pushing everyone away, yeah. you're not really living. Right. So then it talks about, I just want to put this out here, this team red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Guys, oh, there is so much data and information on um, our military personnel and how they deal with trauma and then be coming back and trying to be vulnerable. It's a whole thing and I'm not going to do it justice. So please go back and read this section. But it talks about reintegrating vulnerability yeah. and how that can be hard specifically for people that have been through traumatic situations or right. wired to be unvulnerable. Um, right. So there's this program called Team Red, White, and Blue and it's just a program that they have um, to help returning vets. So yeah. definitely go check that out if that's something you're interested in. But I think public knowledge on the this topic is one way that we can help and give back. Sure. Um, so then it gets into seeking support. Um, again, this Team Red, White, and Blue, teamrwb.org, is a program that's put out there to help these people learn to maybe be vulnerable again with the right people mm-hmm. in the right situations. Um, but as far as people that are trying to get that vulnerability back, that have been through trauma, um, the suggestions are to acknowledge the problem, seek professional help and support, and guys, that suggest suggestion is not a cop-out to me that recognizes that what you've been through, yeah, not a lot of people have been through it, and it's pretty serious. Like, if I have a heart attack, I'm not going to the Minute Clinic at right. CBS. Yeah. I'm not calling my sister, who's a nurse. <laughs> I mean, she might tell, she'd say, you're She would idiot. say, go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So... What, you, what you've gone through, it's an acknowledgement, not that you're messed up and not that you're unfixable, but when you go through something really traumatic, then you need the right help and the most for you. So acknowledging that mm-hmm. what you've been through is real. Um, and then work through the shame and the secrecy. And then approach vulnerability as a daily practice. Guys, this, for most people, it's not going to be a wake up one day and magically no. never have to talk about it mm-hmm. again. It's something you got to work on regularly. I thought it was interesting how she says work through shame and secrecy. Like if you are struggling with PTSD, not a lot of people know about it. Or maybe just you know about it. Only You're the only one. Yeah. And, the, and I mean, there is, it, it is nice when you do seek the help and you do acknowledge the problem and you do talk about it, then there's the burden that's lifted of you are not the secret keeper of this thing. Gosh, just so. telling people. That you can trust and all that. Yeah, for sure. Just talking about it helps get it out of your head. They do talk about writing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Um, and the last point in this section is that people that have seemed to thrive after going through trauma and their whole living a wholehearted life are the ones that have also cited the importance of spirituality. So um, did I say to- that word right? <laughs> The importance of spirituality. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so after two decades of research, she has put together that the people who went through a trauma, who have followed these steps, and are now being vulnerable and thriving in life, there is a correlation between that and spirituality. So, all that to say is that's not a coincidence. I think not. All right, I remember talking about this shield in one of the first couple chapters. Mm -hmm. Being vulnerable does not mean airing 
letting it all out there. I don't like yes. that it says letting it all hang out. I get this visual. Right. I don't want to see all that. So Brick house. Yeah. Letting it all hang out or what she's going to refer to as floodlighting. Right. Which is aimed at soothing one's pain um, or testing loyalty or tolerance or fast-tracking a new connection by just word vomiting to someone you barely know. I so about you. I think I mentioned this either on air or off air, but someone tried to floodlight me and told me this really huge thing, and then after they said that, they said, okay, your turn. And I was like, what? Yeah. No. That's not how, that's not how this works. No. I don't, I don't know you like that. Yeah, so as we've mentioned just moments ago, that sharing and telling people what you're going through we don't mean everybody, and we don't mean just anybody. So, um, while sharing what you're going through is important, don't just ugh, on people that right. aren't marble friends, marble well, jar friends. And this is separate than sharing your testimony with a group of people. Right. So, like, that's a whole separate thing. So, if you are public speaking, and this is part of your testimony, and you are bringing people to Christ, like, all, like, that's a whole different thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about like, hi, my name's Brooke and bleh. Yeah. Or when the person and then the saying, your turn. says, how's your day? And then you go, well, <laughs> actually, my marriage is a mess. Uh, oh, I get off at four, so I guess, and there's three people behind you in line. What are we doing? Plastic or paper? I don't even ask that anymore. Man, I'm That's old. True. Okay. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. So, like you were leading, or that you led into this nicely, that talks about the way to um, work through that. If you find that you tend to just tell everybody your business to either see if they're loyal or, uh, man, if I tell them this and they don't leave, then they're going to tolerate me and be my bestie forever. Or, man, this friend's really cool. I, You know, if I tell her my secret, then she has to be my best friend. Uh, so, all those things, not good. How you combat that is... Or knowing when it's okay to share or what to share. Um, it says using vulnerability is not the same thing as being vulnerable. It's the opposite. It's armor. Yeah. So if you are being really vulnerable because you know that people are going to be like, ooh, bye. <laughs> yeah. Then um, now you're using it as a shield. Um, it goes on to talk about mm-hmm. be self-compassionate if you share too much too soon. Um, so... If you're like, man, why did I tell this guy I'm dating this? That might have been too soon. Try to just not beat yourself and shame yourself more. And then if you're on the receiving end, try to be compassionate. Again, you haven't been through what they've been through and they're trying to be vulnerable. They just haven't figured it out quite yet. Mm-hmm. Like a baby deer. Right. Trying to walk. <laughs> Lord. Okay, so... The next shield, it kind of goes along. It's the opposite of floodlighting. So there's floodlighting, which is, here's all my junk. But then there's the smash smash and grab, which I'm taking your information and I'm manipulating you slash blackmail <laughs> slash whatever that is into getting something to do, getting something out of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, man, I went through this terrible thing and then you're getting everyone's attention for it. Or you're getting people to feel bad for you. And you enjoy getting those things. She didn't say this on here, but I imagine, this is my opinion, that there are people that 
tell their terrible experiences or what they're shameful about. And then people are like, oh, let me help you out. Here's some money or other means and resources. Mm -hmm. So I also see that as like, if you did know something about someone else and let's say gossiped your vice, suddenly there's a prayer request. My friend, blah, 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 is dealing with this whole vulnerable thing that she told me. That would be another way to see that too. Yeek. So how do you combat that? I I found it interesting that she didn't have much to say here. Mm -hmm. I kind of took it as maybe if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But that's just me because I think this is like a borderline topic. Like if you're doing this, there's a lot going on in your life. So her suggestion is to ask yourself what need is driving this behavior. Yeah, I like how it, again, goes back to the motivation behind your behavior. If you feel like you need to say this about yourself or someone else, however you're playing that, what is going on in your head that is triggering you? So what is the deeper need under there? What do we have to do there? Okay, the next not-so-common shield is serpentining. I feel like... Is that how you pronounce it? So I hear serpentine and serpentine. So I wonder I what no regional people will say, how people will say it differently. Was... Serpentining, serpentining, either way, you're zigzagging, whatever it is. That is, for, from here on out, that will be what we refer to it as. Right. So essentially, instead of facing your vulnerability head on, mm-hmm. or that which brings on shame, you dodge it every which way that you can. Mm-hmm. Whether that's distracting the the person who's trying to speak life or talk to you about something, like, oh, subject change, or that you leaving a situation, like if your husband's trying to ask you something or try to work through something and suddenly you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> You're just gone. Sorry. Honey, I'm not gonna... I found this Amazon package. Mm-hmm. Times seven on the front door. Gotta run to the store. I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunate. A way Um, to combat that is face it. Mm -hmm. I feel like we all knew that was coming. Turn towards it. But the way to fix dodging something is just to face it head on. Again, not easy. Right. Um, But yes, you gotta do it. Rip the band-aid. I believe in you. All right, the next, the last not-so-common shield is cynicism, criticism, cool, and cruelty. C to the fourth power. C to the fourth power. Yes. I think that was our high school cross-country team. What? Our little logo. Uh, Cynicism, criticism, cool. Cowboys, cross-country. Oh, I like it. C-C-C-C. Uh, but this is different. It's almost different than armor. They can It can actually be used as weapons. So cynicism, if you're an Enneagram 5, you might be more prone to this as opposed to criticism, which is an Enneagram 1. So just keep that in mind on what your vice is, knowing your personality type. Yep, so and it's fighting anything that could come your way or make you feel vulnerable. Um, or people try to draw that out from you, then you just put up this aggressive front. Mm-hmm. Come, don't come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a good example, I think she uses this in the book, where they're ta- it's middle schoolers talking about a dance. They're like, oh, dances are stupid, I don't want to go to that. Hey, can you call her mom and see what kind of dress she's wearing? <laughs> yes, okay, so to some degree, 
people are like, oh, I don't want to do this. Hey, will you, are you going to do this? If you go, I go, you know, that kind of thing. So to combat that. Yes. Um, she talks about practicing again, the shame, resilience and reality checking, but she has, um, you know, I've been in situations before where I was like, I just wish I didn't care. If I didn't care, this would be so much easier. <laughs> um, but she says, you know, if you stop caring, then you're losing your capacity for connection. Right. Um, being defined by what people think. Um, if you, you know, say, I don't care what people think anymore, then you're going to lose your willingness to be vulnerable. And if you're like, I'm never going to hear it. I don't want to hear any criticism ever that you could miss out on helpful feedback. Um, And she says right here, it's a tightrope. Shame resilience is the balance bar, and the safety net below is the one or two people in our lives who can help us reality check the criticism and cynicism. So um, the answer is there are no shortcuts. Yeah, and again, having that group of people who speak life into you, the wise counsel, and then also the people who are not in the arena with you, they they don't have a valid opinion. Yep, and she gives um, a couple strategies here, but one that I really liked is that she says she carries a small sheet of paper in her wallet that has written on it the names of people whose opinions matter to her. So that might be a nice little reminder. Yeah. Um, because if you wouldn't seek their advice, then why would you listen to their opinion? That's a good point. Good point. All right, so that concludes Chapter 4 of Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, and that's the Vulnerability Armory. Mm-hmm. And next week we'll hit you with Chapter 5. Yes, it's called Mind the Gap, Cultivating Change and Closing the Disengagement Divide. Amazing. All right, well, stay tuned and make sure you get that copy of the book. We'll put in the affiliate link, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self in the community that cares.